to the 30-something podcast. I'm Sunny Avada. Here we talk all about the things that make this stage of life so fun and so complicated. Motherhood, lifestyle, wellness, health, and more. Join our community as I talk to experts, authors, and others to make life a little easier for you. Hey guys, Sunny here. Welcome back to the 30-something podcast. Uh, this episode, I'm not going to lie, it's a, little, uh, it's a little emotional. We're talking with a woman who is changing the face of pediatric cancer research, and she's doing so because she had a really personal reason for it. Uh, her son was diagnosed with neuroblastoma, and Melissa Wiggins, uh, since that day, has been fighting hard to change the future and change treatments for other kids who face a similar diagnosis. So we talked today about Cannonball Kids Cancer, her group that she founded. Um, their slogan is research is the key. And guys, they are doing some amazing work in this field. I can't wait for you to hear all about how she turned um, a really, really difficult situation into um, a really bright future. So hope you enjoy the podcast. Here's Melissa Wiggins. All right, guys, I'm super excited about this interview today. Um, this one, I'm not going to lie, it's probably going to make you cry. Um, for parents out there, I cannot wait for you to hear this, uh, this woman's story. Uh, Melissa Wiggins is someone whose name I've known for a while. Um, actually, chances are you may have seen her pop up on your Facebook feed because I feel like some of your stuff has... Um, gone viral and been shared. Your story is incredible. It's impactful and it's super emotional. And rather than continuing to introduce you, I'm going to let you chat, Melissa. Um, you founded this group, uh, this charity, this research, I guess you would call it organization more than anything because you're out there actually raising money and making a difference. Um, it's called Cannonballing Kids Cancer. And usually when people are involved in a charity, it's because they're sort of, you know, involved through two or three degrees of a reason, but you founded this company. Your story is just, wow. Um, tell us where Cannonball and Kids Cancer came from and the story behind that. Well, I know this little kid and he's kind of amazing and his <laughs> name's called Cannon. And um, I get the joy of being his mama bear, right? And he was diagnosed with stage four neuroblastoma when he was 20 months old. He fought, and he fought really, really, really hard for three and a half years. And I say all the time, you know, we're one of the lucky families, right? Cannon is our survivor. But when we were getting further on in the treatment, I started to realize, you know, what does survivorship look like for these kids? So, you know, the goal is survivorship, but what does it look like? And I didn't like how it looked, mm -hmm. and I didn't accept how it looked. And I said to my husband, we need to be a part of trying to change that. And he said, you're crazy. I love it. Let's do it. And so oh, he sounds like your perfect partner because you are a daring woman. He was like, you want to do it? Let's do it. Love and it. he also knows if I get something in my mind, it's pretty difficult sure. to change it. So um, he supported it and said, let's do it. And so we started this foundation and with the idea of imagine if we could just save one kid. Mm -hmm. Like imagine like that is like it gives me chills all over my arms just thinking about mm -hmm. it. And so I said, let's do it. Let's try and see if we can fund research and like save a child battling cancer. Right. Now let, let's let's bring it back a little while. So um, Cannon is one of three boys that you have now, right? So you have two other boys. I do. Um, and he was, how young was he when he was diagnosed? And tell people what neuroblastoma is. I feel like a lot sure. of people might not know what that is and how you noticed that there was a, a problem to begin with. Sure. So Cannon was, you know, my first child. Mm -hmm. And I was actually 38 weeks pregnant with the twin boys, which was crazy. And he started limping. And 
my husband travels a lot for work and he was out of town and I said, you know, what should I do? And so anyway, long story short, I took him to an orthopedic and they thought that maybe he had like an infection in his knee. And so here I am 30 weeks pregnant with a toddler and they said, you know, we're going to do surgery tomorrow. Um, we're going to go in there and we're going to pull out like the infection in his knee and, you know, he'll have to have a cast in his leg. And I remember just being traumatized thinking, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like I'm going to have two newborn boys and I'm going to have a kid in a cast and like this, I have no family that lives in this country. Right, because you can tell the she has a Scottish accent, so... Um, She's from Scotland. (laughs) Not born and raised in the United States. Right, right. And um, so, you know, I was just freaking out. And, you know, actually that would have been a best case scenario. They Mm. um, opted not to do the surgery that night, thankfully, and um, decided to do more blood work on Cannon. And when they did that, they discovered that he had um, stage four cancer. He was essentially just covered in tumors all over his body. And um, neuroblastoma sort of starts in the adrenal gland and, and the way they described it to me that is simplest to understand is if you think about an octopus and how their legs and their tentacles just kind of grow that it was wrapped around every organ in his body and down in his clavicle and in his hips and um, in his knees and his feet, his hands. I mean, it was just everywhere. It's just all over his body. And, um, you know, I remember asking the doctor, uh, you know, but he's like not going to die. Right. I mean, like I thought like, you know, first of all, I didn't even realize kids get cancer, but you know, never in my wildest dream would have imagined that they die from it. And, um, he said, you know, he has a really long, hard battle ahead of him and he has a 50, 50 chance that he'll make it. Hearing, uh, hearing that even secondhand gives me the chills. Any parent, yeah. I, I'm sure, can identify with the feeling of um, sh- desperation. I'm sure you felt. I mean, when you hear that, I, I think what's different too about you is when you hear something like that. Some people would sort of go into hibernation mode, or they would want to run from it. It seems to me that you have always been a fighter with this, and your first instinct, and I know that's from having spoken to you about this before, was was to fight and to fight hard and to not let those seemingly daunting statistics kind of scare you away you guys really jumped in full force with the treatments right I think you know um I I know my mom is in the room with us here today and even though she's not mic'd and and speaking I would say that a lot of that goes to you know we had a, a pretty hard childhood we had a lot of hard things happen and my sister had several open heart surgeries my mom lost my brother and so I watched that firsthand growing up what do you do when you know tragedy hits and you fight and that's what I witnessed growing up and so for me it was just human nature like this is what we do and you know the fact that we were given 50% I said I'll take it let's Mm go and uh, my husband and I are both lawyers and so we just got researching and we found where's the best place to do treatment and you know and then discovered there was a lot of options and how do you pick those options and um you know, I hope now that I can be a resource to parents who have those decisions to make and not necessarily to steer them one way or the other, but just explain to them, this is how I came up with the decision I mm-hmm. made for Canon. And before we get into the charity, because I think that um, it's just so cool to hear how you're making an impact with that. Tell us how Canon is, where he is now. I mean, he's absolutely adorable and he's, he's thriving. He is thriving. Um, you know, he is, his spirit is just amazing. I mean, he inspires me every day. He wakes up with a big smile ear to <laughs> ear and he's just the happiest kid. And he is, uh, you know, he's in first grade and his brothers are in kindergarten. So they get to all be in school together, which is amazing. And, you know, um, yesterday we, 
you know, don't tell anyone, but we skipped school. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> and, My kind know, of mom. <laughs> we went to Aquatica for the day, which just seemed like a great idea with family in town. And on the way to Aquatica, he was saying, right, let's do math problems, mom. Test me. Like what, it, you know, and, and it's so adorable to see him do that because his brothers are just like, big eyed like whoa like our brother's so smart you so know? smart like it's it's very cute but you know we we've we've also you and I have also had a lot of honest um uh conversations about you know I don't want to um perceive that cancer in our family is done and that you know pediatric cancer is you know once you're a survivor it's you and I know the statistics for survivorship aren't great and so I think that we can just do a much better job at changing those so although Mm -hmm. I am very happy that Canon is alive and that is the goal I still don't accept what his survivorship looks like. Yeah, I mean, and and all these charities, charity events that you have held, I mean, you guys are constantly bringing in um, people who are speaking on this topic. It's experts. It's parents who have been through similar situations to you. And every time, I am shocked by a new fact that I seem to discover about pediatric cancer. And I think people are under the impression that because we see so many dollars being poured into what we consider cancer research, or there's a lot of publicity surrounding certain types of cancer, pediatric cancer is its own, um, it's its own thing, right? I think you said something one time that really struck a chord and you said, you know, you can't, it's not like you can Take the medication or the treatment you would do for an adult and cut it in half for a kid. It's a completely different beast. I I don't think people know that. Well, and I think people don't really appreciate that the cancers that children have, all but one, are not found in adults. Wow. And yet they're being treated by the same things. The only cancer that is the same in adults and um, children is leukemia. All other forms are only found in children and should be treated accordingly, but unfortunately are not. And so what does that look like? Well, it looks like, you know, I put hearing aids on cancer in every single morning and it looks like he will never naturally father a child and learning um, issues as well as a very good chance that before he's 40 years old he will have another form of pediatric cancer and so I just think that we can do better. How can it be? I think a lot of parents say that you, you hear something like that we feel like we are being constantly bombarded with information about all this progress that's being made and yet this whole side of research is being ignored are you guys with cannonball and kids cancer are you one of the only groups out there it's that's been sort of like grassroots founded that's doing this because i don't recall hearing about anyone else that's dedicated as you guys are to just focusing on that particular issue i think that there are a lot of incredible organizations out there working really hard towards this problem i think some of the disjustice that has been done towards pediatric cancer is this perception that it is taken care of and that because we've made some progress that like we're good we should kind Mm -hmm. of stop there you know we're increasing the number of survivors but again what does that look like is always my um take on it so what strides have been made and what needs to be done I think that there have been a lot of strides with leukemia in children, and a lot of that is because it is found in adults and it's found in children. And so because there are similarities there, some of these treatments that are in adults can be used in kids because some of the cancer has some similarities. Not identical, but there are parts that are the same. And in the children's world, you know, we're dosing down the chemotherapy. So Canon had chemotherapy that was designed in the 1950s and 60s for breast cancer and testicular cancer because there is no form of treatment for neuroblastoma in terms of chemotherapy. Tell us what worked for him, too, because I think parents who 
perhaps are impacted by this issue will want to know what treatment plan worked for you guys. So, you know, we did chemotherapy and then we chose to do a stem cell transplant. There is some, you know, deep conversations towards whether a stem cell transplant works or whether it doesn't for children and whether it is worth it. Because I will tell you, it is the most horrific thing I've ever witnessed in my life. Canon had... 108 hours of continual high-dose chemotherapy that is given to adults um, with no break. And he stayed in the same room, which was probably about the size of this room that we're in right now, which, you know, for those listening, is very small. And we lived in there for over 50 days. And he didn't leave. And he was really, really sick. He was bleeding out of every part of his body. And they told me the goal, Melissa, for your child is to get them as close to death as is possible without killing them. And I'm like, we're in 2000, and I think it was like 2016 at the time. um, And that's what we have? Like, no, like, I don't accept that. And so I think one of the things I see often is we need innovative, outside of the box, different types of treatment that do not take our children to the brink of death that work effectively mm-hmm. with the survivorship looking very different from what it does right now. What have you seen success-wise with your group so far? I know you have funded some um, research trials or some clinical, um, some clinical trials, I guess, for people who have worked closely with your group. So tell us exactly what you have done and seen so, so far. So one of the things that was really important to me was not only the fact that we fund research, but we fund like the best type of research. You know, I appreciate how hard it is to make a dollar. And if people entrust us with their money, I want to be able to say, these are the 17 things I did before mm-hmm. I gave this money away. And um, and I really do almost 17 things. I mean, we have a scientific advisory board that is spread from California to Georgia. Wow. And that scientific advisory board will review these grants that are placed to us that are only you can only apply to Cannonball Kids Cancer for a research grant if you've been invited to, which means that I have personally visited your institution and you have also done a presentation to me in person before I even send you to the Scientific Advisory Board. Wow. And you do all of this yourself. It's important to note, I mean, if you guys um, follow uh, Melissa on social media or any of her channels, you will see that this girl is traveling constantly. I mean, this is your passion and your life. It is admirable. It is incredible that one person and one tiny person, you're like no bigger than a minute here, can literally change change the face of this research. You have to be really proud. I know it's probably a double-edged sword, but when you stand back and look at what you've started the ball rolling with, are, are you just so filled with pride or is it kind of like... um. I feel like I feel very proud to be a part of Cannonball Kids Cancer. Like, I feel like I am a part of a team who wants to change it. And that has been one of the most exciting things about starting the foundation is that these people who were around um, bringing lasagnas to my house are now (laughs) my communications director. And now, you know, I have Kelly King, my education director, and I have Mika Rich, who our kids went to school. And these women uh, and men on our our advisory board have come together and said, yeah, let's try and change this. Let's do that. And so I am one of, you know, like over 20 people now um, who have, we have 11 on our general governing board and five on the scientific advisory board and five on our team. So there's, there's a lot. How did you get the um, the scientists and the doctors in particular to be attached to the project or to to use their resources? I think it was my accent. It was, <laughs> and you're beautiful too. That doesn't hurt. Did you really just call them up? I mean, you were probably like 
I can imagine it took a lot of dedication. I think there is a lot to be said for getting on air, an airplane and flying somewhere <gasps> oh, and you, speaking to someone. Oh my gosh. So yes. you actually showed up. What what like story in particular, when you look back on the start of this, um, of this charity, like sort of what's a moment that you'll remember that you think that changed sort of turned, everything. It, turned the corner yeah. um so we had our we had had our first year we had started the foundation and you know we never had a gala at that time we never really did big fundraising events I really you know I was a lawyer what did I know about fundraising I had never grew up in that type of environment and so um you know we really hustled year one and we made a hundred thousand dollars in one year in our first year and um I said well you know we're going to fund this research project and we came across this researcher in Augusta, Georgia, and we drove to Augusta, Georgia, and we met with him, and we gave him $100,000. Wow. Oh, well, that'll open a door, I would imagine. And, um, and, you know, him and I had a very honest conversation, and he said, so grateful, uh, but here are some of the things that we need to do going forward. And he said we. And so he is actually now, um, you know, four years later, uh, he is the head of our scientific advisory board. And we implemented, we created an entire board and we created um, a list of questions that must be answered and a grading for each grant. And um, we selected different places. And so we spent a year working on how can we do this to the best of our ability to ensure that the research is um, the best of its kind. And that, mm. that project that we funded for him is, is really, I mean, amazing. Like we did it because we wanted to help fund one kid and he now has more than 40 children on his trials. Wow! And, um, you know, he has kids on there that were, that had no chance sent home from several incredible institutions told they had one month to live and they're now on that trial three years later and they're still alive. Wow. So what does the future of pediatric cancer treatment look like from where you are and from the work you're doing? I hope very different. I mean, I just think that we need to change the status quo. Is um, stem cell, you mentioned stem cell therapy in particular, and I think people, that's a kind of a buzzword these days. Is that something that is showing promise on a widespread level? Um, you know, it's interesting. I think that stem cell will, I think one of the projects we funded, they actually, they're doing um, where they pull out the stem cells and they'll genetically change them so that the transplants can be less painful and more effective. And I think we'll see a lot more of that um, as opposed to the just sort of generic transplant that Canon had. I think, you know, immunotherapy and gene therapy and changing um, the way things are done is vital. But I also am really excited by viral therapy. You know, Ooh, what's we, that? We've, um, so we just, um, we're starting to do some research locally um, with Nemours with the Zika virus. And, um, you know, they change it and then, they, well, if you think about it, what Zika does, right, and how, um, you know, it tries to kill these cells, well, the goal is that it goes in and they have changed the makeup of it that it won't give you Zika, but it actually goes in and fights the cancer cells. Wow. Is, and has that been showing promising results? Wow. It's in early stages right now because we just started it or they just started it and um, we're sort of helping along with that. But um, there are other ones that we've worked with like herpes virus um, and, and hepatitis C and they change them so that they don't give you those specific viruses, but they're designed to go in and cancer kill the cancer cells. So and different. So. I mean, it's shocking what it, what changes a year brings even. It seems like every year they're finding something that they can sort of revolutionize the treatment with in in your world, say we're looking 10 years down the road, how do you see treatments being different um, versus where we are now? 
I, I think that chemotherapy will still be used, unfortunately. I think that it's so potent and it's such a powerful um, therapy. I'm hoping that it will be used at lesser doses, but with these other therapies being added on so that not only are these kids more survivors, but also afterwards the, the children don't, you know, have secondary cancers because of the toxicity. You know, it's, it's a balance. You want to be able to have the children be a survivor, and so you have to give sometimes harsh therapies right mm -hmm. now, otherwise they just wouldn't make it. But it's finding that balance of what does that look like so that their life for the rest of their life is, is a quality of life. Does Cannon understand what he went through or what he's inspired at such a young age? I think he understands some of it. I don't think that he remembers all of the pain. At least I hope not, you know. Um, but he, you know, he'll ask me, why do I wear hearing aids? And he'll ask me, why is he shorter than everybody in his class? And, you know, his brothers are almost the same height as him now, which he's almost two years older than um, them. And so there'll be some challenges with that, I'm sure. But, I mean, that's my job, right? I'm mm -hmm. the mama, and so I'm supposed to help with that part. And, uh, you know, I, we talk about it, and we talk about it really openly. In fact, one of my five-year-olds um, asks that we call him Dr. Gray and I not love just this. Gray. <laughs> and the other day, he randomly came into my bathroom, and he said, you know, can you explain to me again why the the chemotherapy I mean he's five um, damaged Cannon's he hearing and so we talked a little bit about it and he said would you like me to try and invent something that maybe puts two medicines together oh that will God. stop that and I said you know I would love that oh my and I, and I joke around like he'll probably never want anything to do with medicine but just the fact that they're listening and they that they that's in their heart that they think about that with their brother is um is pretty special yeah I mean they're an incredible bunch and you know like I've said I've I've followed your story sort of from afar for years now and it's just so cool to to be able to pick your brain and to see what kind of an impact a mother on a mission can make and I just um I just I tell everybody about you I say if you're looking for your research dollars to go or your charity money to go towards something that's actually working that has legs you are the first group that I mentioned well, so, so I want to make sure that we get your information out there too so for anyone who's listening if we want to find out a way to donate or just keep up with your research where can we find you sure if you go onto our website cannonballkidscancer.org you'll be able to find you know a donate button like you see and then lots of information about our research trials and how they're doing and our team and also, if you're in Orlando, we have a beautiful event on April 6th, our Gold Gala, which you've been to. Love and, it. Mm -hmm. You know, we have, uh, if, if you like firemen that are bagpipers, come along. Oh, I love it. I <laughs> we love have it. Uh, 20, um, you know, bagpipers that bagpipe everybody down to the lake and we do a butterfly release and it's a really beautiful night. So yeah. that's April 6th. It's always so well done. Yeah. Thank you for coming in, for Thank sharing you. your story. We will be following you as you go on your journey. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. Thanks guys for listening to this episode of the 30 something podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. As always, I would love to hear from you. Find me on Instagram at Sunny Abata. That's S O N N I A B A T T A. Or check out my website, sunnyabata.com. Hope to hear from you and see you soon.